Welcome to the Inside Startup Investing Podcast powered by King's Crowd. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestrino. From discussions with founders and VCs to industry experts and special guests, we want to provide you with the inside scoop on all things startup investing. Whether you're investing $50 a deal or $500,000 a deal, we have the stories you need to hear before clicking invest. From the metaverse to spaceflight and beyond, join us as we explore the world of startup investing for all. And now, on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lestrino, founder and CEO of King's Crowd. Today, we are joined by the founder and CEO of Cloud Structure, Rick Bentley. We have had Rick on a few times. He's probably one of our uh, guests that we've had on the most uh, over the years, and it's been a lot of fun chatting with him. He's definitely been a major advocate of the Reg CF, Reg A plus industry in general, um, and also has a really cool, really interesting company that continues to progress. Uh, so I'm sure many of you are already investors in this business. And so we're going to dive in, learn about what's going on with the business and where they're headed. So Rick, thanks so much as always for being here. Thanks, Chris. It's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. So from the last time we spoke, which I think, boy, probably at this point was like eight or 10 months ago, obviously the state of the world is very different. Um, but I'd love to hear how are things going at Cloud Structure? What are some of the major updates we need to know about? Uh, things are going great. Uh, we're very happy to be in the position we're in. We're, I say we're very fortunate. I think anyone who's looked out the window has seen uh, what's gone with the economy and everything else, right? And uh, we're fortunate we did a strong raise uh, earlier on, uh, you know, made hay while the sun was shining. <laughs> and, um, you know, we have seen uh, some deals from 2022 push to 2023 kind of thing, but as long as they come in, it's all good, right? So, you know, we're focusing on getting our revenue up, uh, getting uh, so we can stand on two feet, getting profitable, right? That's our big goal for 2023 is uh, is pushing sales uh, in, 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 right? And uh, again, we're fortunate that we, we, we uh, got the capital in that we needed to execute on the business when we did. So tell me a little bit about, you know, let's dive into the business, what Cloud Structure does for those who don't already know. Um, we'd love to understand from kind of the last time we spoke, what the state of the technology is um, and what your kind of growing base of clientele is looking like. Sure, yeah. So we do, uh, for everyone who doesn't know, we do video surveillance in the cloud. So we take the video from on-premises and we push it to the cloud. And there's some very basic advantages of this. For example, if the building blows up or burns down, all the recordings are in the cloud. So you can see what happened, right? It's, it's kind of the right place to put security footage in the first place. Uh, it makes it more IT secure in that we're not running a web server at each location. We're just pushing the video to the cloud and it's all off-premises somewhere. It fits in with what the IT department's looking for nowadays with you know cloud-based services instead of more servers with more backup power and cooling requirements on-premises, right? So that part's all good. Um, but what really made it great was once it was in the cloud, we realized, huh, we have all this here in a big data center. We can just push this through some big GPUs and do some really cool computer vision that you could never afford to do on-premises, right? You couldn't do it at the camera and you couldn't do it on the NVR. There's just not enough computational power on premises, right? With that, we, the first thing we did is just like Google, I used to work at Google, uh, ju just like Google indexed the web, so you can search the web for kittens or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. We index all the video with everything that's in the video. We crawl through it like Google crawls through the web. 
And so you can search for person, backpack, Chris, Rick, uh, license plate number, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is you're looking for, and find all the video that contains that. And it makes it really usable, really powerful. So what is the, the kind of core clientele that's like, I need this technology? It's really anyone with multiple locations, right? Um, that could be anything from people managing just a lot of properties that could be retail or residential or commercial or whatever, right? But you find someone at the top of the funnel who says, yeah, I got 300 buildings and I have no idea what's happening in any of them. I've got tenants who are complaining that crime's going up. I don't know what to do about it. And um, centralizing a solution for them has been really powerful for us. And, and there was one more twix. I said getting to the cloud was the, you know, the first one. The second one was, hey, we've got the computational power here to do all the computer vision. The third one is we also found ourselves in a unique position to do uh, what we call remote guarding. And there's a saying in security, how many cameras do you add before you can't see anything, right? Mm -hmm. And the answer is really only a few dozen. If you, have a, if you have two dozen or three dozen cameras at your home, it doesn't matter. You can't fit that many on the screen, watch that many as a time kind of thing, right? It just doesn't work out. And, you know, you talk about places that have dozens or hundreds of cameras per location and hundreds of locations, it's a, it's a much bigger challenge. You could have people off-site just try and watch all the cameras, but that still scales poorly, right? So what we're working on is this division between artificial intelligence and human intelligence, hmm. right? And so we can set up a, simple alerts like someone crossed this line after 10 p.m., which just could be the atrium into the building, right? And a guard can pop in and go, oh, they took out their key, they swiped the key, door open, and away they go. Or the guard go, they're banging on it with a crowbar, right? Now, the first one, the person crossed the line, that's a very easy computational problem, right? The later one, they're using a crowbar to try and break in instead of their keys, right? That's a harder one. So you want, you don't need humans here, but you need humans here, right? And so over at the easy side, we take care of all that stuff on the, with the AI and just get to the remote guards, the important part. And then just like there's network cameras that get the video offsite, there's now network speakers that get the guards voice on site. And so rather than just record a message of this is a monitored property, you know, uh, it's, Hey, you in the black t-shirt, put down the crowbar. I've called the police, right? Yes. You as the looking at the camera, right? <laughs> so, so it's a very uh, personal experience. And it, what it does is it turns video surveillance from a forensic tool. Hey, we got ripped off last night. Let's go see what happened. Oh, there they are breaking with a crowbar to a preventative tool, hmm. right? Actually stop the damage before it happens. And so uh, that really has changed the ballgame for us. And for these, these people who have these entities who have large numbers of properties under management, just hiring all the different guard contracts is unwieldy, right? Just getting all the camera systems so they can see them remotely is unwieldy. And we, we fix all that. So I imagine you're charging essentially as a, a software service. Um, do you provide the cameras and all of that as well? Or is it literally a pure play software? And then you obviously, I imagine, have a place with all of the servers that are on hand as well. That really depends on the customer. Uh, some customers are like, hey, we've got cameras. We've got an IT group. We got a facilities group. No one's allowed to come on here and hang a, hang a camera. No one's allowed to come in here and pull a cable. No one's allowed on our network. We got this. We just need the software as a service in the cloud, right? Other people are like, 
We don't have anything. What do we do? And so it really depends on the customer. We're happy to get them cameras. We're happy to get them an installer. We're happy to stay out of it if that's what they're looking for. Right. We have a white glove kind of concierge service where we just turn key it off for them if that's what they want. But it's it's really all over the map. Got it. And what is your I know there's kind of these different groupings, right, of, of what your clients look like from retail, residential, all that kind of stuff. Um, curious, what is kind of the, the number of clients you have today or kind of a, a ballpark figure of, you know, how many clients you've been able to sign up, types of businesses, that type of stuff? Yeah, the number of clients, you know, I'm being a little, not dodging your questions, but um, our growth is last year was 250% in the number of locations, right? Um, and you don't necessarily need that many more customers to do that. What we're focusing on now is the rollout within a customer. We have a lot of big customers on the hook and we need to go from three to nine to 27 to 60 to 180 to 300 locations with that customer, right? So yeah. we're, it's really a deployment. It's more blocking and challenging, which is great. It's the right problem to have, right? It's not market risk or product technology risk or that sort of stuff, but it's, it's still something that we need to get through. Do you have any anecdotes on like really good things you've helped to prevent or identified or seen that, you know, was someone breaking in with a crowbar? Do you have any good stories from clients? <laughs> oh, we had one just like last week, I think we get them all the time. Um, the one last week was someone didn't have a key card for the gate. So their solution was to just push their truck through the gate. <laughs> and, and snap snap the arm off which was like 20 uh, grand excuse me sir <laughs> and, and so they caught him on video and wow. they got him to pay right like it's and and, and they stopped it like right away yeah and before our solution it was oh someone did it to the gate again right <laughs> <laughs> it's like how dumb can you be? all right well that's great i'm glad yeah. i'm glad the technology <laughs> to uh to catch the uh to catch the guy doing that wow that's amazing um, well, the ROI in video is easy. The ROI on remote guarding is even easier. Yeah. Uh, just think if you have one door you want to watch, right? I just need to know everyone who goes through this door has been, you know, surveyed by a guard, right? So you need two guards. So one can go to the bathroom, have lunch or whatever. You need three eight-hour shifts per day, seven days per week. So you need like three or four full-time equivalent guards, right? And they need benefits and whatever else, right? Long story short, even at minimum wage type levels, you're talking about a quarter million dollars a year hmm. to sit two guards, you know, nominally, so one can go to the bathroom 24 hours a day, seven days a week at a, at, at, at a door, right? Right. And, you know, we we can charge a lot more than a video surveillance system to do that and save them a lot of money. What has been the greatest pushback where a potential client says, no, we don't need this? Like, wh why would they not need it? or say they don't want it? Well, there's some things that are interesting. Some class A properties they have in their contract that they have to have a security guard in the lobby. And like, well, we have to have this guy on site anyway. Yes, we know he's useless. Yes, last time something happened, we found out he was asleep in his car at three in the morning instead of at the desk. We get it, but the lease says we have to have a live body in the lobby, right? So we can't make him go away. So we can't give you that money, Yeah. right? Yeah. So that, that's, that's one we've heard that I find frustrating. I haven't, haven't found the perfect counter to that one yet. No, I, I, it makes a lot of sense, right? It, it, it's yeah. Can you extrapolate the value of that person or whatever? But uh, that that's a hard one. Now, what, what about things like malls or, 
you know, major retail centers. I imagine, I mean, there's, there's rarely security hanging around there, you know, being able to identify and watch a lot of activity, right. And potentially people, whatever, is that a, a clientele base that's been interested at all? It hasn't been a huge one for us. I think there's just so much stuff going on in a mall. It, it's hard to watch it all. There are some new things coming out with computer vision that are nowhere near perfect yet, but they're, someday they're going to be, right? And so, for example, people say, hey, can you tell us if people are fighting or if a flash mob is robbing a store? And the answer is, well, kind of, but fighting to a computer looks a lot like breakdancing, maybe, right? Like um, a, a lot of other stuff that might be going down, right? Two kids roughhousing. Um, a flash mob looks a lot like Black Friday, right? Like it's it's just hard for a computer sometimes to make those distinctions. That's easier for us, but it's harder to quantify in an algorithm. You know what I'm that, saying? Yeah, no, I, I hadn't thought about it. It makes a ton of sense. That's really, really cool. Um, so let's dive a little bit into, I, you've made a lot of progress from when we kind of last spoke. What does the team look like today? Cause you know, I think the first time we ever chatted, it was basically you and your co-founder, but where are you today? <laughs> how big is the team? And kind of how does that break out by department or group of folks? Uh, so about 40 people. And uh, you know, I kind of have it into three buckets, right? There's sales and marketing, there's engineering, and there's all the dead weight like me, right? And, you know, we are in the stage of growth where engineering and sales and marketing are the two areas of focus for the business for sure. And so that's where most of our people are. I try and keep it that way by design, right? I'm trying to keep everything else to a minimum. Um, after sales and marketing, we, we did bring in a captive installation group that came in through an acquisition. We bought a company called IPG. They have a product called Gearbox that does IoT security testing on networks, basically tells people, hey, did you know you have 13 fish tanks and 52 printers and six of which are a vulnerability you know, to your network hmm. and keep you out of compliance for these ratings you're trying to get on the security side? Um, Anyway, with, with them came uh, an installation group. And so uh, that's been very good for us to have inside so we can we can white glove some of our installs. But yeah, wow. engineering and sales and marketing, that, that's the real focus. Got it. And in terms of thinking forward to 2023, what are your focus areas? How are you planning on growing despite you know it being a relatively challenging market out there? Sales and revenue, that's it, right? I mean, we are just laser focused on, we don't, we don't want to take shortcuts, right? We're, we're focused on the long-term growth over what's our 22 revenue or anything like that. But um, it's getting the clients we have, making sure they're happy, deploying more into them, and then getting more like them, right? That's, that's it. It's growth phase. Love it. And you are currently raising capital, I believe, correct? Yeah. Um, it hasn't been a big focus for us. And I think the retail investor m might be a little uh, tired after some of the going ons in 2022. But we, uh, we've we done a couple of things that I think are novel in the space. The first one is we were the first ones to do a, um, that we know of, to do a digital warrant exercise portal. You know, we uh, we sell stock and our, if every two shares of stock you buy, you get a warrant to buy a third share for a fixed price within the next 18 months kind of deal. And the way that was handed to us by the lawyers the first time around was, yeah, sure. All they need to do is take the email that they got when they bought their, when they made their investment and print it out and go to appendix D and fill in the number <laughs> of shares they want to exercise. 
and then do math to get the total amount they need to write for the check and then put it in an envelope with a stamp and mail it in. I'm like, the investment online. We're, we're not going to make them do this. We're not parting like it's 1999 here, right? So we put that all to the same web interface. And so that was the first digital warrant exercise portal. And we did that a couple of years ago now. We're very proud of it. Um, the other thing we did, which I think was quite good, is just for this holiday, uh, we made it so that an investor or anyone can can buy stock for someone else. So Ooh. if someone has a grandkid or a niece or a nephew, and you don't really want to give them a savings bond at 0.62% or <laughs> whatever those are right now, right? Um, uh, you know, a few years ago, I bought my niece and nephew some cryptocurrency, right? Uh -huh. You know, got them a little paper digital wallet for it. I still don't think they figured out what to do with it. But, you know, this this is something that you can give someone uh, to get them interested in entrepreneurship and early stage investing and, and stock market and, and things like that. Yeah, if you go to buycloudshares.com, you, you, you can see it, or you can go to our invest page and get linked to it. Um, but uh, I think at the very top of our investment page, there's a link to it. But yeah, it's kind of neat. And again, that was the first time that we know of that anyone has done this. Yeah, I, I'll be curious to pick your brain more on how you actually make that possible, because it, that is something that I haven't seen done. And I think it's just such a cool, con I mean, plenty of people, I feel like for a very long time have been able to buy kids shares right like you buy your kid a disney share and you put it in a frame and you know all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but being able to buy startup shares is a really kind of a neat concept i'd love to just hear from you you've been down this path quite a bit just like us in raising under reg cf reg a plus um for entrepreneurs who have never done it you know what have been some of the absolute benefits and enjoyments of doing this and what have been some of the really hard things and things that you think could be improved about our industry as well. Mm, interesting. You know, the last company I started, uh, Televoke, I started in 98, right before the dot-com boom. Um, we raised a bunch of money. SoftBank was our lead investor, right? And after a very long fuse, you know, Uber didn't even exist yet, but after a decade or so, it got bought by Uber, right? Yeah. And in the meanwhile, there was a variety of VCs. Norwest came in for a while. There was a recap, like, it's a long and glorious history, right? But in any case, you know, Uber bought it for what to you or me is a lot of money, right? Yeah. And I got enough money for an arcade machine out of it, <laughs> right? Because, you know, once the VCs are in on the deal, it's not your company anymore. They have the playbook and they, they all run it the same. The first thing they do is they change it so the shareholders don't control the company. The board of directors controls the company. And the board won't allow... It, any debt to be issued or um, equity to be sold, right, uh, without their approval. So you can't take a round from someone else unless they want you to, right? So you don't really have the ability to, to you know, keep raising money at market. They are, they have an existential threat from crowdfunding. So, you know, they're not going to turn to their LPs and say, yes, you should give us all this money. So we're going to go <laughs> take it to this online portal and, and you know, pick companies for you, right? Like we could have done that. Um, so, you know, the VC route is a tough one for an entrepreneur. Uh, the odds are overwhelmingly against you that you will raise VC money. I mean, it's like one in 400 or something that go looking for it. Like the odds are just phenomenally small. And then if you get it, you know, the VCs I talk to for the early stage portfolios, it, out of 10 companies they might invest in out of an early stage fund, 
they're expecting one or two to make back all the money, one or two to break even, and the rest to go to zero, right? Yep. And one or two break even, that means the entrepreneurs got nothing out of it either, right? Right. So one or two out of 10 entrepreneurs are going to see a return on their own company, right? It's, it's kind, kind, of, kind of nuts, right? So with, with crowdfunding, you're kind of in charge of your own destiny and the outcome becomes much less binary. With VC investing, either you get a VC or you don't, and either you get liquid or you don't, right? Again, one in 400, one in 10, you got a one in 4,000 chance. Good luck, right? Um, with crowdfunding, you'll get out of it what you put into it. If you really get out there and you, and you really uh, stay in touch with your investors and you make the outreach and you take the time to keep people updated and you you do the marketing and, and maybe paid ads or, or whatever you need to do, you will get some investment, right? It's not a zero yeah. or a one anymore. It's not, we didn't get any VC to give us money or we got SoftBank to give us 10 million, right? There's a whole lot of stuff in between them. Right. You know, 100K on a reg CF, a few million on a reg A plus, whatever. Right. And it's up to you to make that happen. No, I it, it, completely it, agree. I love that. And now what about on the so a lot more control, a lot more opportunity to kind of control your own destiny, also engage your customers. All of those things are phenomenal. What has been challenging about going this route? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, reg CF is pretty uh, quick and dirty. Right. It's yep. kind of like a reg D. You file it, and you basically told the SEC, we have done this thing now, right? Right. And they go, neat, right? <laughs> uh, with a Reg A+, plus, the SEC never would never want you to call it approval, but they call it qualification, right? Then you need to come back with their qualifi statement of qualification, whatever, whatever it is at the end, that says, yes, you're allowed. Again, they don't want you to use that word. But you're qualified. This offering is now qualified, and you can go and raise money from the retail investor. And that is that can be a painful process. And there's a lot of interesting things that come with it. You know, you need to have a broker dealer of record if you want to roll into all 50 states right away. You know, the whole point of the Jobs Act and the Reg CF and the Reg A Plus was to keep states from really interfering with the process and letting people just go all across the country all at once. And then you have to have a broker dealer of record to do it. And you're like how come they're taking a percentage of the investor's money? Like, I don't even think they know anything about our deal, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's just a lot of weirdness that comes with it. That's a lay person be like, that That doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. And, you know, here we are. And in, in, um, in the end, I, I get it. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect the retail investor. You know, we've seen FTX recently explode brilliantly. And a lot of people are calling for regulation of crypto around that, which, by the way, would be a terrible idea. Don't do that. But um, I, it's got some people calling for it, right? And, and I get it. There, there needs to be some protections in place too. But um, man, I've never spent so much money on lawyers in my life. <laughs> no, I, the, the regulation A-plus process is a very challenging one. There's no doubt about it. And certainly I think there's opportunities for streamlining as well. And I've experienced that myself. Well, this has been really, really informative. For those who are interested, if they want to go and check out cloud structure, potentially invest. Can you remind us of the link and maybe give us kind of your last pitch as to why you might be interested in investing in cloud structure today? Sure. Uh, buycloudshares.com is the easy one to remember. There's also invest.cloudstructure.com, but people tell me that they don't know how to spell cloud structure when they hear it on the radio, which I totally get. Sorry that the name was free. It was a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> buycloudshares.com, uh, right at the top, you'll see a link for the gift portal if you want to do it. I think it's a great idea for the holidays. 
Um, I'm using it myself uh, for some of my uh, younger family members, right? Nice. Uh, nieces, nephews, uh, son kind of thing. So um, I think it's a uh, it's a great thing to do. It's a novel kind of gift concept. Get someone into the spirit of entrepreneurship and investing. And, you know, uh, we think we're doing great. So there, there you have it. Awesome. Well, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, speaking with you. Congrats on all the success this year. Looking forward to 2023 and wishing you all the best and, um, and good luck out there. But thanks so much for your time today, Rick. Thanks, Chris. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. Before you go, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like or a positive review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and share our latest episodes. And if you like what you heard and want to learn more about how we can help you manage your startup investing search, diligence, and management at King's Crowd, check us out at kingscrowd.com. Thanks, and until next time, happy investing.